Good evening, everybody. Welcome to a very special edition of Ignite Radio Live with Greg and Stephanie Schleter, joined, kind of joined, um, with Dan and Amber Demite. That's right. Coming up very shortly, a special episode tonight. Um, I want to ask you the question to set the stage. Does God want to work powerfully in the world today? That's the first question. It's kind of a rhetorical question, right? Because the answer is yes. God wants to work powerfully in the world today. Question number two, how does he choose to work powerfully? What is his means of doing that? Now, there's a lot of ways. He certainly, throughout history, has worked very directly. But if we look at history and we look at our church, he works through us. He works through human beings. He equips us to make a difference. So, truly, if we see a lot of things that are disordered and broken around us, It's a good thing for us to humble ourselves and say, Lord, how can you more fully work through me? We want you to do your thing all the more. And all the popes recently have been asking us to pray and to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, what's that? Baptism in the Holy Spirit is not a new sacrament. It's not a sacrament. In fact, it's fanning the flame of sacramental grace. The popes recognize that we can have all of the great observances Catholics. We can be doing the Catholic thing, but be missing the vitality of the Holy Spirit alive with us. So the third question is, do you desire to more fully experience? When I say experience, I'm not saying just a feeling or a fleeting emotion or a personality type or some kind of subset Catholic group. Are you open to more fully experiencing what God gives us in his Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that will equip us to be that healing, transforming power and presence to the world? So those are the three questions. If the answer is yes, yes, God wants to work powerfully, Number one. Number two, yes, I get that he works through us, through humans. That we gotta, you know, we're the means that he wants to do it. Number three, yes, God, pick me. Ooh, pick me. Work through me and work through my marriage, work through my family more powerfully and more than just an emotion, but to discover your presence alive, to respond again to the popes. We invite you to tune in right now to listen closely what Dan and Amber Demite have to say to us. It's called Power From On High, and it's taken from our very first Ignite Praying With Fire conference just a couple weeks ago, and it sets the stage, by the way, for a whole journey for this area together in our homes and in our parishes to overflow to the world, and we have this new thing we're calling Ablaze. And uh, we invite you to, act, in fact, go right now to find out more. Go to setablaze.eventbrite.com. Setablaze.eventbrite.com. The very next one's going to be this coming Sunday for free at St. Jerome's. We invite you to join us. Fullness of our Catholic faith to receive power from on high. God bless you. Or as Father Jeff Macbeth would say, God bless you. In the following talk, Power from On High, dynamic speakers Dan and Amber Demite extend the invitation of all recent popes. They invite us to live in the power of the Holy Spirit in the fullness of our Catholic faith. This presentation took place at the first ever Ignite Praying with Fire conference. This is an integral part of a Catholic movement called Mass Impact. We are uniting Catholic believers in personal, family, and parish discipleship. For more information and to become a kingdom builder, join us right now at massimpact.us. More than a moment, a movement.
have tasted the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? How many have tasted the power of the Holy Spirit? Praise God. How many have seen the power of the Holy Spirit work in their lives and the lives of others? We've seen it. We've tasted it. We've seen it. How many have heard the voice of God moving in your life? How many of you have heard his voice to you in prayer? So many of us have. We've experienced the love of an eternal God that burns for us. Thanks be to God for that. Because how many of us here deserve that? Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, that, that too. Because of the blood of Christ. But on our own, without the Lord, how many of us deserve that? Right? We hear in Scripture. <laughs> They're so good. Because they said they did, but they didn't know where I was going. Oh, y'all think you got me off guard. Listen, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? So there's not one of us here that's better than the other. We can't judge each other for sinning differently than we sin, right? Because we've all got our stuff, okay? We've all got our things. So every one of us has fallen short of the glory of God, but God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that we could be with him forever, in eternity. What I want you to hear tonight, what I really want you to understand and to walk away with tonight is that God is gift. That's the nature of who he is and what he wants to do for you. God wants to pour himself out in tremendous gift. So we've tasted, but who here has tasted all that God has to offer? Anybody just gluttoned on the Holy Spirit can't fit no more? No. Right? We've tasted, but we haven't had it all. We've seen, but has anybody seen the complete beauty and glory and majesty of all that God has to offer? Has anybody seen it all yet? No. Have we heard all that God has to say in our lives? No. There is more to God. God has more for us. Because we know, we hear in scripture, that I has not seen ear has not heard, nor has the mind of God conceived all that God has for those who love him. God has more. I don't care how many charismatic conferences you've been to. I don't care how many masses you've been to. You went to Catholic school 12 years. I don't care where you are or who you are, what you've seen, what you've done. Tonight, today, right now, God has more. And we believe it. We believe that God is big, but we sit in mediocrity. I sit in mediocrity. Every day I let Satan come in and he says, I'm going to keep you down. And instead of saying, "Uh uh-uh, not today, because my God is big and my God is huge and praying like I believe that God has more and God has freedom and God is real and God is alive, I settle for mediocrity. So when we say we believe that God is big and we believe that God has more, we need to start praying like we believe that God has more. So today we are talking about the power of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit, who like Caroline said, isn't a bird or a flame, but a person who loves us, who burns for us, who hovers over us. How does the Holy Spirit want to burst into our lives and take control and set our lives on fire and empower us to live free lives of Christians. Dan's going to share with us how the Holy Spirit really comes and empowers us. I'll tell you, oh, this is so good. I have a story for you, okay? 
listen, um, this is about how, mm, I just tell it. Okay. I have a friend, her name's Sam and Sam is 16 years old, but her age doesn't really matter because Sam's like so many of us. Okay. Because Sam is at every event. She goes to everything and she's there and she smiles and she knows everybody. Everybody likes Sam. Sam like everybody. She real cute. Okay. So there's Sam and it's just a typical Sunday night at youth group. But we decided that this night we were going to pray to receive fuller the Holy Spirit. So I sat down with Sam and we had a a little circle of youth group girls and it got to be Sam's turn and she's sitting like this. She's got her hands on her lap and we're praying. I'm like praying over her and I'm trying to like ask the Lord, does he have a word he wants me to say to her? What is, what does he want to give to Sam tonight? And the Lord just keeps saying, open her hands, open her hands. So I'm like, that's weird. I reach out, I turn Sam's hands right over and I open her hands and the Lord says, widen her hands, widen her hands. And I keep widening them. And you know what Sam does? She keeps coming back. She keeps coming back. And as we moved out of that night, Sam had a beautiful night of prayer and so much freedom that night as I continued forcing her to open her hands and the Lord kept begging for more that the Lord said, this is my word for my church. Open your arms wider. Expect more. God who is gift, his arms are heavy. His arms are heavy with gifts and he's waiting to pour them out on you. He has gifts there for you and we're like this. We're like, Lord, could you just um, help me get up at the my, when my alarm clock goes off in the morning? That's heroic and great, but God wants to do more. God wants to do big. He wants to do huge. So widen your arms today. Widen your arms to receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Okay, Dan. Cool, and I think sometimes, you know, the when the Spirit works, we think that the Spirit wants to work only in the spiritual realm. But what Amber's talking about is the Spirit We are body and soul. And when the spirit enters into our bodies, he wants to impact not just our soul, but he wants to impact our body and our soul. And and what your body does actually influences your spirit. That's why at mass, we stand during the uh, gospel so that we are attentive to the word and show reverence to the word. That's why during communion, during the, the liturgy of the Eucharist, we're kneeling because your body disposes you into a position of adoration. And what the same thing happens when we enter into prayer. We want to open our bodies up so that we can dispose our hearts to receive more of God. And and I'm just going to say it how it is. We as Catholics are afraid to open our bodies up. We're afraid to let go and let God. We're afraid to allow our bodies to experience the Holy Spirit. Well, sure, I, I want I want the spiritual life, but I don't want the spiritual life to impact my physical life. It is. The two are connected because you are one, right? Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, is it not? And so if your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, you should expect something different in your body. Catholics should be alive and their bodies should be alive and their souls should be alive and their voices and their eyes should be alive. How many grumpy church secretaries have you met? Who's ever met a church? It's crazy! Why are all of our church secretaries grumpy, right? Like, wake up! You work for the church, have a smile, right? Like, and so we're talking about power from on high, and it's power. So Jesus, he says this, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power. Say power. power. 
You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Say witnesses. So we receive power so that we can be witnesses. We don't receive power so that we can always plug into a million church groups and stay into a million church groups. We receive power from on high so that we can radically set the world on fire. You see, Jesus Christ had a a very intelligent plan. It was to transform the entire world. And his plan involved something very simple. I'm going to give my disciples the power from on high and that power will give them the grace to go into the world and transform everything. You see, Jesus, he wanted us to actually bring him into every strata of humanity. So he didn't want us all to be priests and all nuns. No, he wanted us as the lay people to go into every facet of human society and transform it to bring God's power there. So he wanted us to be doctors and lawyers and teachers and physicians and nurses so that you would go into every hospital, every school, every workplace and impact it. That's how God was going to bring about a radical transformation. But because we've been closed off, the world is winning. The world, the flesh, and the devil are winning. And I'm going to say it as it is right now, if we don't do something radically different as Christians, our generation is going to be known as the first post-Christian generation since the time of the early church. Do you want that to be the history books for our generation? That we would be the first post-Christian generation? The world, for up until this point in human history, the world basically embraced Judeo-Christian beliefs and now they are rejecting it. And why? Because we are closed. Because we're scared to open our mouths and speak the truth of Jesus' love in the world. And Jesus ain't going to come and do everything for us. He's going to give us the spirit and we're going to be enabled to go and transform the world. But you have to open your mouth. You have to open your arms. You have to move your feet. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're the vessel of the Holy Spirit. And if we say no, the world suffers. You receive power so you may be my witnesses. The word power there in the Greek is dynamus. Everyone say dynamus. It's the same word as dynamite. Say dynamite. So Jesus wants to give us dynamite, right? He wants to give us this powerful dynamite. Now imagine if I were to take, uh, um, how many people here? 200 people. If I were to take 200 sticks of dynamite and light it off into this room, what would happen? There would be a complete and radical change. Yes or no? Yes. All right. If I were to take uh, 200 sticks of dynamite and stick them into a workplace, would there be a complete and radical change? Yes or no? If uh, Kids, if I were to take a 200 sticks of dynamite and stick them in your school, would there be a complete and radical change? Yes or no? Yes, no school tomorrow, right? And this is what happens. You will receive power. You will receive this dynamite. So if I were to take a stick of dynamite and shove it in your throat and light it off, there would be a complete and radical change. Yes or no? That's what Jesus wants for your life. That was his divine plan, that you would be radically changed, a dynamic change, that that something would ignite inside of you, and it wouldn't just transform your insides, but it would transform your ex-sides, outside as well, your exterior, outside, exterior, okay. God wants to transform you totally and completely, and we've got too many Catholics with the dynamite down their throat, but they haven't lit the fire. Right? You've received the power. You received it at your baptism, your confirmation. But we're just walking around with all this power and no one's lit it off. 
Could you imagine if we lit the power of the Holy Spirit off in the world? If every single Catholic in the United States of America was on fire with the love of God, we would transform not just our parishes, we would transform our schools, our workplaces, our families, our neighborhoods, our communities. We would be a world on fire for love of God. And we have all that power, but we're not using it. Shame on us. Dear God, transform us. Please set something aflame here, right now. Because when one stick of dynamite goes off, it it ignites another one. It's contagious. So if you feel like you're all by yourself in your parish, you're like, oh, but there's only three of us from my church. That's all you need. You light one stick off, it's going to catch the next one on fire, then the next one, and then the next one. You only need one flame, people. And if you're like, my parish is so dry... Good, because Jesus loves dry wood, because dry wood burns best, right? Right? So let's start setting some fires. You will receive power, so you be be my witnesses. So I want to look at, God wants to transform your life, and I want to look at the kind of life he wants to give you today. Does that sound good? What kind of life does Jesus want to give you? I'm going to do this by talking about three different chairs, because I think there's three different kinds of Catholics, okay? So here's the first chair. I'm going to call this chair number three. Everyone say chair number three. Here's chair number two. Say chair number two. And here's chair number one. Say chair number one. All right, chair number three. This is the chair of the world. Say chair of the world. This is a chair of the self. Say self. And chair number one is a chair of the spirit. Say spirit. Okay, so a lot of Catholics are sitting in the chair of the world. That means that your life is dominated by the world, the flesh, and the devil. It's possible to be a Catholic and still have a life dominated by the world, the flesh, and the devil. For these Catholics, they're living in grave sin. Grave and mortal sin. And we believe as Catholics, if you're living in a state of mortal sin, your eternal soul is in danger and could go to, to, to hell for all of eternity. But the, the world, the flesh, and the devil says, oh, no, no, hell doesn't exist. Hell exists. If heaven is real and we believe in heaven because Jesus says heaven is real, then we have to believe in hell because Jesus says hell is real. And so there's Catholics who are living in this chair of the world, and our hearts, if you're not living here, then your heart should be broken over every single person who's living here because their eternal soul is in danger. And your your life has to be driven not about getting a fancier house or a nicer car. It has to be driven to get these souls into heaven. This is the chair of the world. And if you're struggling and you're living in a life of mortal sin, serious grave sin, it's awesome because what Jesus wants to do is he wants to free you from that today. He says, there is no sin that's bigger than my mercy. There is no problem that I can't handle. I've already died, so why do you keep dying? Right, let me end this today. And so if you're in chair number three, the chair of the world, he wants to end it today. And it's so simple, you just have to repent. And repentance is a very simple thing. It's turning away from one thing and turning towards another thing. So when you repent, you say, I'm, I'm going to turn away from that formal, former sin, that former way of life, and I'm going to turn to a new life. But so often, we, and this happens all the time in youth ministry, Amber and I see it all the time, kids will turn away from, from their, their sin, but then they don't know what to turn to. So we need to know what's chair number two and chair number one are so that we know what to turn to, right? So today we have confession. We're going to have four priests for confessions. We want to make sure that you know that that sacrament is available for you. It's a vehicle of repentance so we could turn away from our former way of life and enter again back into the life of grace and love and mercy. That's chair number one. I mean, chair number three. Sorry, man, too many chairs. Say, okay, chair number two 
And chair number one, chair number two is the chair of self. Say self. self. Chair number one is the chair of the spirit. Say spirit. spirit. See, these two chairs, these are both Catholics who are in a state of grace, but they're radically different Catholics. Both Catholics, these will, both of these Catholics will probably go to heaven, but they're radically different kinds of Christian life. If you're living in chair number two, the chair of the self, you believe in Jesus, and because of that, you're saved. But if you're living in chair number one, you know that Jesus believes in you, and because of that, you're transformed, and you're transforming others. If you live in chair number two, you're living in the natural. Say natural. But if you live in chair number one, you're living in the supernatural. Say supernatural. You see, we can be a natural Catholic or we can choose to be a supernatural Catholic. There's a lot of natural Catholics who are, are living the, the Catholic life and they're doing all the Catholic things that God is asking them to do, but they're still living in the natural world and they haven't tasted the supernatural. Do you know what the natural is? It's the fallen nature. It's, it, God wanted the supernatural and God's original plan for humanity was the supernatural, but we have fallen into the natural realm. But because of life in the Holy Spirit, we can actually be raised out of the natural into the supernatural, and your daily life can be supernatural. This chair of the self, you're doing everything on your own. You're using your strength and your power to live your Catholic life. But in the chair of the Spirit, you're using the Spirit's power. Jesus said, ah, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Jesus gives us the power. So many Catholics are trying to do it all on their own. They're like, oh man, I want to I wanna be holy. I just, if only I could overcome this sin. If only I could accomplish this. If only, if only, if only. They're just trying with all, I call this will-powered spirituality. We're just trying to will your holiness. Jesus doesn't want that for you. He wants spirit-powered spirituality. Where the spirit's power is alive in you and, 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 and grace is naturally overflowing and you find ease and joy in doing what is good. You find ease and joy in holiness and you don't have to, to fight for it. So there's a will spirit, will-powered spirituality or a spirit-powered spirituality. Which, which one do you want? I want spirit-powered, right? There's this, if you're in will-powered spirituality, you often think you earn your salvation or you earn holiness. You think, if only I behave well enough, then I'll belong to God. But if you're in spirit-powered spirituality, you realize that I belong to God and I'm his son and I'm his daughter and he loves me. I have a dad in heaven who has poured everything out for me. And because you know you belong, then you behave. You see, this starts from a, a place of belonging where this starts from a place of isolation and emptiness and loneliness. And so, so often, so many Catholics, they're not filled and they're not overflowing, they're empty. You shall receive power. You will be filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you're in chair number two, you're often worldly. Say worldly. But if you're in chair number one, you're heavenly. Say heavenly. So there's a lot of Catholics who are stuck in the worldly matters. Their mind are consumed with worldly things. They think about worldly TV shows and worldly music and, and, and worldly success and worldly fame. I know so many parents who only think about the world for their kids. They want their kids to be happy in the terms of the world. They want their kids to be successful in the terms of the world. Right? It's possible that your mind is just so consumed with the world that you just think in worldly terms. 
But if you're here, it's your number one. Your mind is consumed with heaven and you think of heavenly things. And, and success for your children is heaven. Happiness for your children is heaven. Peace is heaven. Right? So you, if, if you're in chair number two, you're worldly and you're consumed by the things of the world and you're, you're easily influenced by the world. But if you're in chair number one, you're influencing the world. One's natural, one's supernatural. Cheer number two, people, they're tired, right? They're tired. You guys, you, you ever go to Mass on Sunday and see tired Catholics? They're all sitting in chair number two. Cheer number one, people are awakened. St. Paul says, awake, O sleeper, rise to life, and Christ will give you light. So chair number two, people, they're dead. They're living dead. It's, it, it's insane how many living dead Catholics we have. They're, they're inactive but you're number one, they're alive and they're empowered. Do you want to be inactive or empowered? Because we have a lot of Catholics who are inactive. They're at work and they, there's these promptings where they could share the gospel, but because they're inactive and not empowered, they say nothing. Or there's people in their lives who need to hear the gospel and because they're inactive and not empowered, they do nothing. That God wants to speak to you. See, people in chair number two, they hear the voice of lies. But people in chair number one, they hear the voice of truth. And so in chair number two, you, 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 because you have the Holy Spirit, you, you see someone who needs truth. And you say, wow, you hear God saying, wow, I want you to speak the truth in that person's life. But because you hear the voice of lies, you're like, oh no, that person's going to reject it. That person wouldn't accept me. I'm not good enough. Oh, God doesn't want to use a person like me. Oh, I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm not good enough. I'm not funny enough. I don't know what to say. I'm not smart enough. You've bought into so many lies in chair number two, but if you're in chair number one, you hear the voice of truth. You're a beloved child of mine with whom I am well pleased. You have my spirit and my spirit is alive in you and you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. If you but have faith in me, you will not only accomplish the works that I do, but you will accomplish greater works than these. Do you know the voice of truth? When you hear things in your mind, is that Jesus' voice? If it's not, guys, Jesus wants to transform you tonight. Because if you're just hearing lies all day, man, you're still dead. And you're not living in the resurrection, you're living in the grave. Jesus says, I want to give you life and life more abundant. And that abundant and full life requires that you hear the voice of the Lord every day telling you how loved you are, how valuable you are, how needed you are, how good you are. Don't listen to the lies anymore. Just crush them. Allow them to be crushed. You see, Mary is a spouse of the Holy Spirit. And Mary is the one who was predicted that she would crush the head of the serpent. And so when you have the Holy Spirit, you have his spouse. And when she is with you and when the Spirit is with you, the serpent dies and you don't buy into lies anymore. Do you want to be in chair number two or in chair number one? I want to be in chair number one, right? Crazy that so many of us settle for this false promise. God has so much more. He has so much more. And so that's what today's about. That God wants to bring about a new Pentecost in your life. He wants to transform your life and allow you to experience the glory of the new Pentecost. And cheer number two, you're restless. But in cheer number one, you're filled with rest. 
right? And cheer number two, you're, you, you've got, so, you're restless. You've got so many fears and anxieties and stress. But in cheer number one, you're just at peace, joy, love, generosity and kindness and gentleness and self-control. St. Paul said to Timothy, you did not receive a spirit of fear. Say fear. fear. You did not receive a spirit of fear, but you received a spirit of power. Say power. power. And love. Say love. love. And self-control. Say self-control. self-control. That's what you've received. And that's what we're going to activate tonight. You see, the popes, for the last, since Pope Paul VI, the church has prophetically been calling for something called a new Pentecost. And the language of the new Pentecost or the new evangelization has been used a lot in recent years, but I don't know if we've actually understood it completely. That Jesus actually is about something new. Because our world is falling away greater than ever before, God has to do something new, greater than he's never done before. He's actually giving a new spirit upon the church, a fresh spirit, a fresh outpouring. And it's there's this beautiful springtime where God is availing graces upon grace upon grace. And and what happened in the original Pentecost, God wants to happen again in the new Pentecost. So what happens in the original Pentecost? In the original Pentecost, it says that the apostles are in the upper room. And it says that the Spirit came and filled the entire house. Say filled. They were filled, completely and utterly filled. If you feel a little empty today, then God has more. And he, he wants to give you more. They filled the entire house. The Spirit filled the entire house in which they were. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire. Say fire. And they parted on them and they came to rest on each one of them. Every single one of them. Every person received the gift of the Holy Spirit. No one was overpassed. Some of you who are sick in chair number two, you've bought in the lie from the evil one that the Spirit is for some people, but this, but not for me. The God, a God who loves you wants to give you everything. He has the fullness of the gift of the Spirit for you. Say fullness. Fullness. Quit buying into a lie. They were filled, every one of them. And that fire came to rest on each of them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them to do. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven staying in Jerusalem. At the sound, they gathered in a large crowd, but they were confused. Right At the original Pentecost, people were confused. And at the new Pentecost, people will be confused. Because in the new Pentecost, people are going to start falling over, like Caroline said, you know? And that's a little confusing. And in the first Pentecost, people started speaking in tongues. And in the new Pentecost, people will start speaking in tongues. And that's a little confusing. Because we're not dealing with the natural anymore. We're dealing with the supernatural. It's beyond our human reason. It's beyond us. So quit trying to figure it out and just allow it. Just accept that this is God. They were confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded and in amazement, they asked. So you can be confused, but at the same time, you can be astounded and amazed. They said, are not all these people speaking Galileans? Then how do they hear? How do each of us hear them with our own native language? They were all astounded and bewildered. It's okay if when you're around charismatic prayer ministry, it's kind of bewildering. That's what happened at the first Pentecost, and that's what will happen at the new Pentecost. And they said to one another, what does this mean? But others said, scoffing, mockingly, they have had too much new wine. 
So the first Pentecost, there were people who were critics. And in the new Pentecost, there will be people who are critics. But our holy fathers have assured us that the new Pentecost is real and valid. So don't listen to the critics. They said scoffing if they drank too much new wine. And then Peter, he stands up and says, no, let me assure you. These people are not drunk for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. So what are some things that may happen tonight as we pray? Greg said we're going to be ablaze, right? Some people may be filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit and they may receive the gift of tongues. What is the gift of tongues? Just like in the first Pentecost, you may allow the Spirit to start speaking through you. There's different kinds of tongues, right? At Pentecost, they received the tongue where they were able to speak the gospel in native languages. But St. Paul also speaks about angelic tongues. And angelic tongues, as, as he says, he, he says, we do not know how to pray as we ought. St. Paul says this. We don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit intercedes on our behalf in inexpressible groans. You see, sometimes I want to pray for another person, but I don't know what to say because I don't know their heart. So I just allow the Spirit to speak through me. And the Spirit intercedes on my behalf. Right? Or... Maybe I just want to say I love you to Jesus, and I don't know how to say I love you in a perfect way. I heard one time someone was praying for the gift of tongues, and so the people told him, you know what, just say I love you, Jesus. And he said, I love you, Jesus. And they said, say I love you, Jesus. And he said, I love you, Jesus. And they said, say I love you, Jesus. And he said, I love you, Jesus. And they said, let the Spirit say I love you, Jesus. And then he received the gift of tongues because the Spirit was just saying I love you, Jesus, in a way that only the Spirit can do it. So that may be bewildering, but it can happen. It's real. It's true. Some people may rest in the spirit like Caroline spoke about. And what's happening there? They're just being filled. You see that God wants you to surrender. And in your surrender, you need to surrender your, your soul. But part of surrendering your soul is also surrendering your body. And when you give a complete body and soul surrender to God, sometimes he just takes you down. And he does that not so you can have a nap, but so that he can fill you up. And he wants to fill you and heal you and feel you and heal you. And sometimes when you're being immersed in the Holy Spirit, people just start crying and they're filled with tears. That's because Jesus wants to perform open heart surgery. There are people here with broken hearts and God needs to perform open heart surgery on you. Sometimes people are just filled with laughter and joy because the Spirit wells up inside of you. And and the fruit, the first fruit of the Holy Spirit is always joy. If a person does not have joy, they do not have the Holy Spirit. And so there's laughter. There may be dancing, right? We're like, I don't want to move my arms when I pray. Dude, King David ripped his clothes off and started dancing in the presence of the Lord out of worship and adoration because he was, it says he was filled with the Holy Spirit. I want you to be filled so much with the Holy Spirit that you start dancing tonight as we worship. Don't rip your clothes off. There's children in the audience, people. Sometimes, sometimes you just may receive this powerful peace, this residing peace that's so tangible you can experience it. And this is what happens right after Pentecost. Peter, it says, then Peter stood up and he said, as the, he spoke the words of the prophet Joel, and he said, it will come to pass in the last days that I will pour out a portion of my spirit upon all flesh. Say all flesh. You see, we know that God isn't going to come again because he hasn't poured out a spirit on all flesh. Right? That there are so many people who still haven't tasted the spirit. So if you want to see the second coming, you better get to work, people. We got a lot of work to do. 
He will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Say prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Say visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Say dreams. And I will work wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. The God promises that there will be signs and wonders. He promises there will be signs and wonders just like in the Gospels. People were filled with the Holy Spirit and they experienced signs and wonders. Healings took place. And healings are going to take place in the new Pentecost. And when we're open and we have faith, Jesus says, if you have faith in me, you will not only do the works I do, but you will do greater works than these. Do you have faith that God can do greater works than you? You know, in the, in the Old Testament... God wanted a prophet to speak, and the prophet was afraid to speak. So he ended up speaking through a donkey. This morning I was praying, and I still sometimes am stuck in number chair number two, and I'm like, Lord, are you really going to work powerfully today? Are you going to have signs and wonders? Are you going to bring healing and real baptism in the Holy Spirit today? And he said, Dan, if I can work through a donkey, I can work through an ass like you. Right? <laughs> and that's for you too. You may be a complete ass, but the Lord wants to work through you. He said that to me in my prayer. Thanks, Jesus, right? You're going to prophesy. You're going to have visions. You're going to dream dreams. Prophecy is still happening today. What is prophecy? It's when you hear the voice of the Lord and you speak the voice of the Lord. And so if you are in alignment with the Holy Spirit, you should naturally hear the voice of the Lord. And if you don't hear the voice of the Lord, guys, you don't have the Spirit inside of you. You don't have to question, is this the Lord's voice? Is this the devil's voice? Just if you hear truth, it's the Lord's voice. Come to know the voice of the Lord. I know the voice of the shepherd. I know his voice and I can, I can just shovel out. And the only reason I know the voice of the shepherd so well is because I've spent a lot of time in this book. When you know his voice, you speak his voice. So you receive the gift of prophecy. And today I hope that some of you start hearing the voice of the Lord for the first time ever. The first time I received an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in my life, I went to communion. And I didn't believe in the blessed sacrament. But I had been reading. I read John. Someone told me to read John chapter 6. I read it and I said a simple prayer. I said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And as I went up to receive communion and I placed the host on my, my tongue, I was radically transformed. All of a sudden the spirit was stirred up inside of me. And I received Jesus with full and complete faith. And it was like scales fell from my eyes and I knew the real presence. And all of a sudden, I, I started, I knew scripture I didn't know before. And I, I knew how to explain church teachings that I disagreed with before. I had this complete, the, the gift of wisdom and knowledge and understanding were, were, were released in me. As Catholics, we call this baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's not the sacrament of baptism. It's a, it's, it's, it's a prayer a release of everything that God intended for us at baptism, it's finally released in our life. And for a lot of us, everything that Jesus promised you in your baptism and in your confirmation has just been stuck inside of you and he wants to release it. You see those gifts over there? Piety, fortitude, understanding, counsel, wisdom, knowledge, fear of the Lord. You have those, but so many of you, they're locked in you and he wants to release those to allow them to go. You have visions, it says, that you may have visions. Sometimes the Lord, he not only wants to work in your heart and in your mind and your, 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 your body, he wants to work in your imagination. And so sometimes you'll have a vision and you'll see something and God will be speaking to you through that. All of this is supernatural, but what we want as Catholics is for the supernatural to become natural. Amber's going to kind of tell us the three things we want to do to open our hearts to receive the power from on high. 
Wow, he yells a lot. <laughs> okay, bring this over here a little bit. Okay, three things that we can do to just make ourselves ready to receive the power of the Holy Spirit that Dan was telling us about. And the first one is faith. So we hear a lot about faith, right? Um, faith is kind of just this term that's just kind of thrown around. But we serve a Jesus who keeps his promises. We serve a Lord who keeps his promises. And Jesus promised that he was going to send the advocate to be with us. He promised that he would give us power from on high. So I'm not asking you to have faith in yourself tonight. I'm asking you to have faith. In Jesus. And this is radically different because if you're anything like me, you, um, when you think about what Jesus is going to do in your life, you start to think about yourself, right? And maybe if you're worthy and, but what could God do through me? Just chop the through me off and just think, what can Jesus do? Because we are nothing but a vessel. God, woo. I guess I yelled a little bit too. God can do amazing things in and through you. And tonight, as we enter into this time of prayer, we need to have faith that the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that God the Father wants to send that spirit into you tonight. So if at worst you're dead, that's the worst it could be, right? Anybody dead in the room? Great. So you've got one up on Jesus. Okay. So God, the Holy Spirit wants to do amazing, transformative, life-giving things in you. And you need to have faith in that. So the first thing is faith. The second thing is hunger. Do you guys know how I felt when I realized that I was sitting at that table and the food table was there? Anybody ever felt hangry before? You know what I mean by hangry? You know, you know, you start trembling a little bit and you're like, oh, get some food right now. I always tell my kids like, listen, I'm hungry. So you need to just step aside. You know, when you're on the airline and they say like, you have to put your mask on first before you can help someone else. When it comes to lunchtime, I always feed myself first before I feed my children because someone's going to get hurt if mommy gets hungry. Okay. So I want you to be hangry for the Holy Spirit tonight. Okay. What I mean by that is nothing, no one, not one distraction is going to get in the way of you getting what you're hungry for. That kind of hunger. That's how bad I want you to starve for the Holy Spirit tonight. If you have faith in what he can do, and if you're starving for it and you're willing to set aside everything else in your way, ow, that hurt, for the Holy Spirit He is going to come because God is a giver. Now, to that note, the third thing is surrender, right? We all have some things in our lives that God is asking us to lay down. We heard today at Mass that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we truly say with our hearts that Jesus is the Lord of our lives, 
That means that nothing is before him. That means that nothing comes in front of him, that nothing can even stand beside him in our lives. Not our spouses, not our families, not our hobbies, not our wants, our desires, our plans, uh, the burdens that are on our hearts, the things that we want to do with our lives, our financial burdens, the way that we want to spend our money, um, not our... Let's see, I made a little list of all the things that sometimes take Jesus' lordship. Not our expectations of who we think Jesus should be. Not our expectations of what we think he should do in our lives. We need to surrender those expectations. We need to surrender disappointments of ways that we thought God should have acted or prayers that we perceive to have gone unanswered. Sometimes we come before Jesus and we hold that against him, right? That he didn't do what we thought he should have done. Sometimes we need to surrender hurts that are in our hearts, lingering and stewing and stirring and growing in our hearts. We need to come before Jesus in faith, hungry for the Holy Spirit, surrendering everything else. And to close this time, and we're going to be leading into our big time of prayer, begging the Holy Spirit to come down and satisfy our hunger. Dan's going to lead us in in a short prayer of surrendering these things to the Holy Spirit to just um, prepare our hearts to receive all that he has for us. As we pray, I just want uh, you to find a... We're going to just fall to the Lord right now in a a spirit of hunger. And uh, maybe... If you want to kneel, um, you can. If you don't want to kneel, if you you can stay seated. But whatever disposition just really helps dispose you to Christ. I want you to place your two hands opened out in front of you. Open hands gives you an open heart. I want you to picture this massive waterfall. Just this powerful gushing river just overflowing on a, into a waterfall. And the Spirit wants to enter into you like that, that God just wants to bring His Spirit to flood you, to immerse you. Baptism means to be immersed. He wants to immerse you in His life-giving water. But now picture logs at the top of the waterfall, and they're just totally blocking that life-giving water. And for so many of us, we've got these logs just blocking God's life-giving water. And so we're at the bottom of the waterfall, and we're like, Lord, fill me. Send your water upon me. But these logs are in the way, and the water can't come. So before we go into the church, and before we ask to be filled, I'm just going to lead us in a process of getting rid of those logs. And sometimes this hurts. I want you to be real and honest during this time. So the first log I want us to get rid of is this log that is the lack of forgiveness. So I want you to draw to mind anyone in your life that you have not yet forgiven. Because without forgiveness, God can't work in our life. You have to forgive in order to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is a simple formula. I want you to draw to mind people in your life that have wounded you, that you need to forgive. And I just want you to say, in the name of Jesus, I forgive and name that person. And then say for and then name whatever they did to you. In the name of Jesus, I forgive blank for blank. Just do that in your heart right now. Think of those people that have hurt you. Maybe you have to forgive a parent. 
who left you or rejected you, a parent who made you feel like you weren't good enough and not lovable enough, a person who made you feel like you had to do something in order to deserve love instead of just be and receive, a person who made you feel like you weren't good enough. If you have a person that you need to forgive, just in the name of Jesus, I forgive them. Maybe it's a teacher or a coach who just spoke death. Scripture says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And sometimes people can just speak death into our lives and their words just linger with us for years upon years upon years. So in the name of Jesus, forgive that person. And and I want you to think back to your childhood, back to middle school. Maybe there were people, classmates or or siblings who just trashed you and rejected you and spoke death to you and bullied you, made you feel like you weren't loved or good enough. I want you to name those people and forgive them in the name of Jesus. Maybe there was someone who you were in a romantic relationship with and they rejected you. They told you that they loved you and then they chose selfishness. If there's wounds from the past relationship, maybe a broken marriage or marriage that isn't broken but is definitely not healed. In the name of Jesus, forgive that person. Maybe there's even a child. Maybe one of your own children have said things to you that have wounded you or they've left, they've just, their life has caused you to have bitterness towards them. In the name of Jesus, forgive them. And if your kids have left the faith and if they've wandered away and you're just harboring frustration and anger towards them about that, give them your blessing forgive them. The second log that stands in the way of the Lord's life-giving water is the lack of repentance. So there's areas in our lives that we have not yet turned away from where Jesus is still not Lord. And so if any of you just have areas in your life where you're in mortal sin, violating one of the Ten Commandments, maybe it's You've had an abortion, you've committed adultery, or you've been unfaithful. Maybe you've made lies and you haven't repented for them. Just say, in the name of Jesus, I repent and then say that sin. And once you say, in the name of Jesus, I repent from whatever sin it is and I choose not to do it again. So if you need to repent maybe from lust, in the name of Jesus, we repent from lust and infidelity. In the name of Jesus, we repent from pornography and lustful looking at others. In the name of Jesus, we repent for infidelity of the heart where we've chosen selfishness as opposed to selflessness. Maybe we need to repent from pride. In the name of Jesus, we repent from self-love self-indulgence 
We repent from trying to do things ourselves. Maybe it's greed in the name of Jesus. We repent from storing up treasures on this earth while allowing our brothers and sisters to starve to death. I'm just getting the sense that some of us need to repent for the TV shows and the music we've listened to or watched, the movies we've exposed ourselves to. In a sense, the Lord wants some of us to repent from our anger, that we ourselves have spoken death upon others. The Lord is saying, uh, we may back up and we may also need to forgive ourselves. If you've never forgiven yourself for your own wrongdoing, repentance isn't, it's not that there's any problem that God can't handle. It's the problem isn't for him. It's problems for us and so he he's not he just wants you to forgive yourself so in the name of Jesus I forgive myself for my past wrongdoing and that last large log that's blocking us from Jesus's life-giving water is this lack of surrender so there's areas in your life where you need to surrender and if it's I just want you to pray in the name of Jesus, I surrender and surrender those areas. Maybe you need to surrender your finances over the Lord. In the name of Jesus, we surrender our finances. In the name of Jesus, we surrender our children. We realize that you who love them more than we love them, that you have given them free will. So we won't try to control them, but we will allow them to be surrendered into your goodness. Maybe many of you have been closed off to the workings of the Spirit, some of the supernatural workings of the Spirit. So in the name of Jesus, I surrender my pride and my closed-off spirit to your Spirit. Maybe some of you just want to control things in your life and you want to be in control of how things happen and when things happen and how God works and and when God works. In the name of Jesus, we surrender control. over the church and we're going to just enter into the Eucharistic presence of Jesus and we're going to pray for a baptism of the Holy Spirit, that we would be immersed in the Spirit, that we'd be plunged into Jesus' life-giving waters and that we would taste and see the goodness of the Lord. So just stay in a spirit of, of calm and prayer and Greg's going to explain some of the logistics for us. We are uniting Catholic believers in personal, family, and parish discipleship. For more information and to become a kingdom builder, join us right now at massimpact.us. More than a moment, a movement. All the recent popes have asked us to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. What's that? It's not a new sacrament, but to invite the Holy Spirit to stir up sacramental grace already inside of us. He desires to work powerfully in our lives and through us to transform the world around us. If this speaks to you, join us for the next Ablaze. Find out more at setablaze.eventbrite.com. Brought to you by Mass Impact. 
You know, Mass Impact and Ignite has been going across the Northwest Ohio now for, for months, and, and thousands of people, literally thousands of people in our diocese have experienced that love. We believe that he said what he meant and meant what he said when he proclaimed that his body is real food and his blood is real drink. Simply put, Mass Impact is a nonprofit movement seeking the heart of God in the very heart of his Catholic Church. Uh, people just keep kept coming. And coming. Not just in a moment, but, but to surrender their entire lives. We desire our hearts to be moved by what moves His. And to see that happening monthly. We are responding to an urgent call at an urgent time. The recent Pope, John Paul, said, now's the time. This is the moment. We are taking big steps in faith throughout our diocese and beyond. I want to buckle my chin strap and take the field. And we are seeing tremendous growth. I mean, I'm just roused and emboldened to mission, to do something. We cannot do it alone. We need you right now. Please partner with us. Go to massimpact.us right now and click on the Contribute tab. If you and I respond in faith right now, we will see souls in heaven who would not have been there had we said no. It was nothing short of amazing. Does it have that same kind of effect on you? Please go to massimpact.us and contribute. It's time to move. Hey people, listen up. Right now you need to drop everything and come down to this awesome big Catholic family reunion. We're hearing inspiring music, amazing speakers, playing some fun games, spending time with some of your favorite people on the planet. It closes with an awesome, uplifting outdoor ignite. Nah, you didn't miss it. And we don't want you to. So mark your calendar right now for August 13th, our second Ignite Catholic Family Festival. For a short time, all tickets are discounted at ignitefamily.eventbrite.com. Brought to you by Mass Impact. More than a moment, a movement.